So as we continue our series on David, you'll see today a new name popped up in the reading, one that hasn't come up before, and that's Absalom, son of David. Now, many of you might not know that much about Absalom because when we talk about the son of David, the one most of us are familiar with is Solomon, the one who actually took over the kingship from David. And of course, the other son of David that we, who wasn't a physical son we talk about is, of course, Jesus, son of David. But we're talking about David's physical sons right now. As a, as a king, David had many wives, many sons, many children. Now, to understand what's happening in this, we do actually need the backstory, And this is found in the parts of 2 Samuel between what we covered last week and what we're reading today. It's roughly chapters 13 to 16. So when you go home, you may want to pick up your Bible and read those over to get a better idea of what's going on here. But they're pretty short, and because it's a story, it reads quickly. But I'm going to give you just an outline of what happens to take you to this place. So Absalom, as we said, was one of David's sons. His mother was the daughter of the king of Geshur. He was probably David's second son. We know he was really handsome. It says in those chapters leading up that he was, there was not a man in Israel more praised for his physical appearance. He was handsome. He had no blemishes on his body. He had thick, heavy hair. It was so heavy, he had to cut it once a year because it was too heavy for him to keep. And when he cut it, he would go and he would weigh it. And if we convert the weight of his hair from then till now, depending whether you prefer metric or imperial, it was either five pounds or 2.3 kilos. That's a lot of hair. And of course, we know Absalom had a lot of brothers from other mothers. And one of them was named Amnon probably the oldest. Absalom hated Amnon. And he hated Amnon because Amnon had raped Absalom's sister. And so because of that, he hates him. He actually conspires to have him killed. And then of course, once he's done that, once he's killed one of the king's brothers, or king's sons, he flees. He flees to Geshur, the land of his mother's people. And he hides out there for about three years. David, of course, finds out about this. Now, instead of hunting down Absalom and bringing him back and having him face justice for a murder, he just, he doesn't. He just longs to see Absalom again. He actually longs to go to Geshur and see his son. Well, after about three years, Absalom does return to Jerusalem. And he is brought before David. And David greets him with a kiss. His son, his home. This reminds us very much of the prodigal son story, of course. And in a perfect world, this would be the end. The wayward son comes home and is welcomed back into the family. And they lived happily ever after. But sadly, in this case, it is not a perfect world. It's not a parable. In the course of time, Absalom begins to conspire against his father. 
He begins to hang out on the road leading to Jer Jerusalem, to the palace, and intercept people who are coming to see David. And Sorry, the king can't see you. Oh, if only I could help. If I, only I were appointed to a, an important position, then I could help you. Greek people ingratiate themselves to them. And he does that. He, he wins the hearts of the people all throughout Israel. They begin to look on him as someone kingly and wonderful who cares for them. And he continues this for about four years, we're told. And after that, he leaves for the city of Hebron. And while he's there, he declares himself king of Israel. And of course, all these people who have, he's uh, won over their hearts, they all join him. And now David is in a position where he has to flee his own city, abandoning it to Absalom and his followers. David is now at war with his son. And this is where we pick up the story. Now last week, if you're here, if you, or if you listen to the talk, you will remember that Nathan had spoken to David about the consequences of his actions surrounding Bathsheba and Uriah. Through Nathan, the Lord told David, the sword will never depart from your house. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity on you. And now, calamity has come. David is in exile. Jerusalem, David's, the city of David, and David's own household are now in the hands of, of not a conquering warlord or a rival king, but his son. David wasn't beaten by a superior enemy. He wasn't conquered by a stronger army. He was betrayed and usurped by his own beloved son the son he'd forgiven for murdering another son and brought back home. The sword that God promised and prophesied by Nathan was in the hands of David's son, Absalom. And this is where we pick up the story today. The armies of David, the ones who have followed David out of Jerusalem because he is their king, so the armies of David and the armies of Absalom are heading out to battle. David stays back, but Absalom rides out with his troops. And as we see as it begins, even after everything that has happened, David still doesn't want anyone to hurt Absalom. He tells the leaders of his armies, be gentle with Absalom, be gentle with the young man Absalom. But as we hear, of course, David is, or Absalom is killed by David's men while he's tangled in a tree, the victim of his own magnificent hair. And for David, this is just a continuation of the calamity. The sword is still present in his household and has killed his son. His beloved son is dead. And of course, that lament we hear is one any parent can understand you know, if you've, if you've lost a child or think you're losing a child, oh, my son, my son, if only I had died instead of you. That spear that killed Absalom broke David's heart also. Now, also in the past few weeks, we've heard about David 
and we've seen him at his worst. He was the kind of man who would take another man's wife and then have that man killed just to cover everything up. The stories we heard of David's actions against Bathsheba and Uriah were abominable. Today, though, we have a story of David at his best. We see the depth of love and forgiveness and grace that David is willing to extend to the son he loves. Absalom kills one of his other sons, and yet David still longs to see him and bring him home. David forgives him for murder. David even forgives Absalom for conspiring against him, for betraying him, and for deposing him. This is the David at his best. This is a man who loves his son so much he will forgive him anything. And it doesn't matter what this son did. What mattered was his love for his son, Absalom. We may have read some stories about David and wondered why God would have chosen him to be king over Israel, outside of being a great warrior, of course. But this is a story, this tragedy. We see the heart of someone that reflects God's own love that God had chosen because he understood the heart of God. And this is one of the man God chose to lead his people. Now, of course, in our church, we talk a lot about God's love. We talk a lot, too, about God's forgiveness. And in the story of David and Absalom, we see what forgiveness looks like. We see this between two men, a father and a son. Now, if that level of forgiveness is possible from one person to another, how much more forgiveness, how much more love is there from God to us? We know Jesus told us that God cares for the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, plants and animals that have no thought to God. And he loves them. And he takes care of them. And as Jesus said, how much more would your Father in heaven love and care for you? And we know Jesus, in looking over Jerusalem, says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. That is love. That is love that is unconditional. The love that it doesn't matter what we do because we are loved and forgiven. And as Jesus said, you were not willing. And that means all we need to be is willing. Willing because God is all ready to forgive us anything. God has already forgiven us no matter what we do, just because he loves us. And every week, today is no exception, at the beginning of the service we have a time of confession. And every time when we confess our sins, we are forgiven. And not because God pronounced it because of some action of our own. Or because David, our priest, said the words and did the sign of the cross. But because that forgiveness is always there because God is our Father loving us. Absalom never did anything, anything to earn David's forgiveness. 
David forgave him for murder and betrayal just because he was his son and he loved him. So in the things we do that we feel we do wrong and in our sin, how much more will God forgive us? Not because we've earned it, not because of anything we've done, just because he is our father, our Abba, and we're his children. That is unconditional love of God, and that is the unconditional forgiveness that he offers us. Amen.